is the show that I have made. Welcome to another edition of Mass, Mats, and Mayhem. I am your host, Justin Harvey. You can find me on Twitter at JustinHarvey75, or you can email us at mmmshow75 at gmail.com. Oh, there's an email address. Wait, and my phone is ringing. Is it somebody important? It might be the President of the United States. No, it's not. Is it, is it the Vice President? No, who is the Vice President? Is that still uh, Biden? It's, it's Joe Biden. Still? So far. I'm surprised. I'm surprised. A lot of people thought he was going to be the next president. People didn't think uh, Obama was going to make it. <laughs> because there's a lot of people who don't like black people in the country still? I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm just implying it heavily. I don't think that's a secret. Well, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure there's some people that tried. Uh, and he's not black, technically, by the way. My name, by the way, is Byron Turk. You can find me at Byron Fever on Twitter and Snapchat. And um, I'm on PayPal. Find me on PayPal. <laughs> and send him money. <laughs> yeah. Um, but on that subject that we're talking about on the show, I saw on Reddit recently, there's this old dude who um, got in a lot of trouble, arrested for a few things. He was buying land and fixing up houses and trying to, um, he was trying to fix up houses and, and sell them or put the, uh, certain types of people in the houses to create sort of a specific uh same thought process uh, neighborhood. Uh, <laughs> same, same thought process neighborhood. Okay. Yeah, like, I like uh, this he, idea. He was, he was building, he was fixing up houses for nice white folk. Gotcha. gotcha. And he was trying to, he was trying to just buy up pretty much these small rural, like this small rural town. Uh, I think this was in South Dakota, perhaps. And then try to just fill it with a, with racist white people so that they could all yeah, create live. your own army. And then, um, and then that he got in trouble, he got arrested and now he's trying to do it again in, I don't know, Illinois or some <laughs> other state or city. Well, I mean, look, I, I don't subscribe to that, that fundamental thinking. Cause if I had a community, it would be crazy people and wrestling fans and video game addicts and people who watch too much television Yeah, and who have interesting shoes. So I don't think my community would work very well because somebody has to like farm and go to the store and my people don't do that. But yeah, <laughs> but so I don't subscribe to the idea. But at the same time, like, why would that be illegal to try to get people that are like minded to you, unless you're trying to form a militia? Well, this guy, mm, this guy is the self-proclaimed most famous racist in the country or world. And also um, he uh, criminally harasses people who talk out against him. Uh, gotcha. So he's, he's... He's been arrested. Right. And so he's for, organizing, and they can get him for hate hate crime organizing and stuff like that. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, I And, mean, and you, by the way, like I was saying before, Barack Obama's not black. Everyone says he's our first black president. Yeah. First of all, he's one of my people. He is a half-breed mulatto like myself. Oh, I'm glad, so I'm he's glad our you first, said it. He's our first mulatto president. He's our first... <laughs> mixed ethnicity president he's not full 100 percent black nor did he ever necessarily claim to be i mean they called him barry in college for christ's <laughs> sakes well he's uh I, I guess he's a lot more progressive in that sense <laughs> than 
I think that he just took the moniker of being first black president because there was more more money involved in fundraising for it. But really, really, he's he's one of my people people. Though I can't say that I like Obamacare much. I don't know why I'm talking about politics because, damn it to hell, <laughs> the best thing ever happened this week. And normally, the best thing ever happens every week because on Wednesday of almost every week of the year, there's a new Lucha Underground. But that's not the best thing that happened this week, Byron. Do you know what the best thing that happened this week is? Uh, I cleaned out my room. Nope. And I vacuumed the that's floor. That's a good thing, but you're posed to clean your room. Oh. Just like you're posed to know how to read. Um, I can read. No, no, no. Okay, so. You want to talk about something else? No. See, in, in the city that I come from, which is a little town called Cleveland, Ohio, there's this thing that happens with sports. People take the word the, and then they put it in front of another word, and then it describes whatever tragic, awful thing happened in sports that day in Cleveland, like the fumble or the drive or the shot. And mind you, Cleveland was on the wrong end of all of these things. The decision when LeBron James decided to go to another <laughs> team and totally half destroy my city, there was in an, there was a whole TV show, a highly rated TV, a hit TV show. He made a lot of money. All over, about screwing over, over Cleveland. Yeah. You know, and then he went somewhere else and won championships. So we have like the greatest player from Cleveland ever is a champion. He's a world champion, except he didn't do it in Cleveland and he still hasn't done it in Cleveland. He might do it in the next couple of weeks, it's possible. We'll see. Because Steph Curry and the Warriors are ridiculous. They're like, the, of course, the best team ever. And, and, and as a Cleveland sports fan, and even when I like teams that aren't from Cleveland, like I was a huge Utah Jazz fan, and they were awesome when they had Carl Malone mm-hmm. and Stockton and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, there was this other little team that was in existence at the time called the Chicago Bulls with Michael Jordan. <laughs> and heard, so, of them. course, my other favorite team, even when I pick a team that's not from Cleveland, I can't freaking win. So, anyway, 51 years have gone by since Cleveland had a real championship of any kind. And this was in the NFL before it was merged into the big NFL. So before even the first Super Bowl was the last time that Cleveland had a real championship, unless you include indoor soccer where the force or the crunch or whatever the hell they were called won a couple championships in like the 80s or 90s, which I don't really... They had like a parade and it was like one guy flipping over a Yugo. That was the riot for... Yeah. that championship anyway indoor, indoor soccer by the way was awesome you had the it was like Loved a hockey it. arena with like fake grass yeah except they needed to add checks if they had added checks then it would have been great yeah but they didn't so it wasn't great oh it was like a couple of guys who were not good enough to play soccer anywhere else in the world playing patty cake with each other and they called it a mm-hmm. professional sport and no offense to anyone who played in the indoor soccer league but uh I, I didn't find it to exactly be the most compelling uh, professional sport out there. It's like saying, you know, your city won an arena football championship, and that makes you Aww. a good sports city. That's, so anyway, that's messed up. huge drought for Cleveland for ages and ages and ages. And I predicted it last week on this show. I've been saying it for a long time. I said two years ago that I thought either Steve Miocic or Jessica Evil Eye would bring be the first ones to bring home gold for the city, even before LeBron James. Um, and, and LeBron wasn't even back in Cleveland at the time, but the speculation was that he was coming back. And I said then that I thought Steve would get it done first. And holy fucking shit, Steve Miocic from Cleveland, fucking Ohio is the world heavyweight champion of the UFC. Mind blown. We are a city that can set water on fire. 
This is not. This is not a city that has a certain. We we lack a certain thing, and we have a lot of pride. And Clevelanders, we all have this this undying pride for everything Cleveland. But at the same time, we know deep down that we're never going to win anything. Oh, you have the Drew Carey show, right? We did. We did have the Drew Carey uh-huh, show. That was a good show. Um, you know, we had a, we have a few things. We had Michael Stanley and Drew Carey and. Yeah. Yay! Can I suggest that for the Ike for the picture for the podcast this week, you post a picture of of uh, that dude with the title, instead of instead us. of us, maybe he's a handsome fellow too. Okay, but so so this this will tell you something about Cleveland too. So if you guys don't know who Steve Miocic is, and I'm sure you probably are starting to hear a little bit about him now because he's the freaking world champ. He's gone a little under the radar. He hasn't always been the biggest talker or you know worker on the microphone or you know, super impressive at press conferences. He started getting a little bit of attention when he jumped up and shouted at Dana White over his, at his previous win before this, that I want a title shot and give me a damn title shot. And Dana White, you know, comedically responded at the press conference. Like, yeah, that guy gets in your face and says, he wants a title shot. You give it to him. (laughs) Obviously if he wasn't qualified, Dana still wouldn't have given it to him, but he did. He did. And he was almost going to have this fight a, a little while ago, but then Fabricio needed to heal up from some injuries himself when Kane Velasquez dropped out because Kane was back in the mix there. And the the heavyweight title in the UFC, not something that people hold on to for very long. These guys hit super fucking hard. Like all of these dudes, Mark Hunt, Alistair Overeem, Kane Velasquez, Junior Dos Santos, uh, and, and Fabricio Verdum, who is one of my favorite fighters of all time, by the way. I love Fabricio Verdum. He just happened to be on the wrong side of Cleveland this time. And But Stipe Miocic is this guy that, if you don't know about him, He's an active firefighter. Like, this dude was, like, doing paramedic stuff a couple weeks ago. I listened to uh, Tommy Toehold's podcast, Bushido Talk, and they had him on. And him and John Hackleman talked for, like, 20 minutes about paramedic procedures, (laughs) which was uh, hilarious. It's like, this is who this guy is. I mean, he, he still goes to the firehouse, you know, and it's not a job that's too difficult to train around, so he still does it. But, I mean, this guy's hes still a fucking firefighter. This guy has a day job still. And he just won the World Heavyweight Championship. And then, uh, you, you know, Cleveland was so unprepared for this that they can't find the key to the city to even give to him. <laughs> there was no parade plan. There was, like, uh, local media, WKYC, and a couple of other news stations showed up and met him at the airport. And they oh. just kind of talked to him a little bit at the airport. And it was like, we're so sad. Cleveland's so fucking sad. Did someone buy him a, a coffee or something? When uh, they oh, man, I'm sure he's got like free pierogies for life in Cleveland at this point. Like, you know, and Cleveland is a very interesting town uh, ethnically. There's a lot of uh, Polish and I believe he's uh, Croatian. Um, you know, it's got the like this cool Eastern European vibe. And then there's a lot of Italians and blacks also. And it's kind of an interesting jumble um, because it was a very blue collar city and, and, you know, a lot of the Eastern Europeans came over with, with a lot of good physical skills, um, especially in machining and stuff like that. So it's kind of this weird, interesting town and he's really a hometown hero. I mean, he went to Cleveland state university and played baseball. And then, so you see pictures of him this week and he's cranking home runs at batting practice with the <laughs> Indians. Then he's sitting front row with the Cavs. And honestly, that was the real parade. He was at game one uh, of the Cavs current series with uh, Toronto and got the hugest response from the whole crowd there. Came out with the belt. You know, they gave him big props. And 
that was super exciting. Did he do the chalk thing with LeBron? No, that would have been awesome. Well, uh-huh. maybe he did. I didn't see any footage of it, and I wasn't at the game. But okay. um, like, look, people, this is a big, big deal for Cleveland. It breaks the curse. Everyone says that Cleveland can't do it. Um, and and given it's not a team sport, so no, the team sport curse is not broken. But hopefully, like, this is some inspiration for LeBron and maybe the tribe and you know, the Browns could probably do it in 2027. Um, <laughs> see, uh, again, Clevelander, <laughs> I don't have a lot of faith in these know. things. Wait, wait, that, that movie Major League wasn't a documentary? No. But it's um, funny because after Major League, the Indians did get good for a while. Like, Major League is about the Indians that I grew up with. <laughs> I used to ride the train to downtown Cleveland by myself when I was like 10, 11 years old. Back when you could still, there was a day and time when you could do that. Like, my dad would give me... 12, 13 bucks. Yeah. I would go down. I would buy a bleacher seat at Municipal Stadium in Cleveland and then sit wherever I wanted to in the park. (laughs) You go in, you kind of walk over, buy your seat. You look at it. You realize no one else is sitting out there. Then you would just, you know, circle back around down the third baseline, go catch some foul balls. This is what you did on a Saturday in Cleveland. And in a stadium that held like, I don't know, 40,000 people or something, there would be like, I don't know, 4,000 people there for a game. (laughs) It was hilarious. We sucked so bad back then. And then, you know, the Indians went on a run. But guess what the one year the indians probably would have won the world series is the year that there was the fucking strike like they were a serious serious contender and then baseball just decides not to finish that season and have a little strike and screw the indians and then they get to the world you know they get a chance to go at it again and then they get beat by an expansion team that had you know a million dollars thrown at them and i won't even talk about that because this is this is how it goes for cleveland i was at the shot I was there to watch Craig Elo uh, get that fucking basket put all up in his eyeball by Michael Jordan. Just fucking, I'm like, I was a little kid. So I was just like, I know what happened to the Cavaliers. Michael Jordan made you cry? I didn't understand. Yeah, Michael Uh, Jordan made me cry. He's a mean, 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 mean son of a bitch. I heard he was. Actually, I I wouldn't know one way or the other. But I'll tell you what. On the court. That particular basket was real, real pretty and against you know, my childhood idols. So anyway, moral of the story is people, uh, always believe in yourself unless you're from Cleveland. And even then sometimes it's just your fucking day. And that was Stipe's day. The fight itself. <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know what happened to Fabricio Verdum. Um, and in fact, I'm, I'm almost sad for him. Like, I I still thought that Stipe was going to win. I had predicted the second round by TKO. But Fabricio is coming at him um, and and just charging him, like bull rushing him. And, you know, Stipe just kind of puts a right hand out there. But when you have a guy that big barreling towards you, and if you could stop your momentum for just long enough and propel your fist forward, you you have like this double impact thing. Because a lot of people were surprised that that was a knockout. But at the same time, it's like, those are two colliding objects and one of them is weaker than the other being Fabricio's chin compared to Stipe's right hand <laughs> like come on that dude hits like a Mack truck he's knocked out some of the toughest son of bitches out there and in, he's only lost twice you know and even those fights were just like he was in them you know so um Stipe's a bad bad man I hope he's right he says he's going to hold on to the title for a while we'll see I don't know if that's possible that's a that's a tough belt to hold on to um I think statistically no one's ever held it more than two or three title defenses or something crazy. Everyone thought Cain Velasquez would reign for a long time and people remember Cain 
kind of reigning for a while, but he was out with injuries for half that yeah, time. Yeah, he was hurt the whole time. Yeah, so it was like he was fighting once every one and a quarter years. So, yeah, it seems like it, but he had, like, two title defenses before he dropped it. Wasn't there an interim champ, too, during his thing because he wasn't yeah. fighting? I mean, and, and the belt's gone all over the place, but nobody's really solidly held onto it. People think Brock Lesnar held onto it for a long time. He didn't. He had the diverticulitis or whatever. Yeah, he got kicked in the liver too many times. So, um, anyway, basically, it's uh, it's it's uh, it's an amazing thing. And I'm really proud of my home city. I'm, I'm very proud to be from Cleveland and even more so now that we have a world champion in my favorite sport. So congratulations to Stipe Miocic. Um, other fights that were on the card, and I'm just going to talk about this really quickly before we get into Lucha Underground and, and kind of get some of this MMA stuff out of the way because it's just, you know, I've been stoked, man. I woke up the next morning and I was like, did that shit actually happen? Um, and then... You know, I went to Lucha Underground to celebrate uh, with a bunch of friends of mine from Cleveland, uh, Charlie and Will. Big props to those guys who came out to Lucha Underground and hopefully had their minds fucking blown. Uh, I think, you know, I'm not going to spoiler anything. but No spoilers. I, I will say that their favorite luchadors, I think, after that were, uh, who'd they say? They liked... Morrison and they liked... Uh, Morrison? Yeah. I will know, say this about Johnny... Kulo. We'll say this about Johnny Mundo. By the way, say Johnny Kulo instead of Johnny yes, Kudo. Yes, it's official. Even Vamp has has chastised the whole crowd now publicly to not say Johnny Puto. Johnny Puto is done. They can't get it on the air. I don't enjoy booing anyone or giving someone the finger or yelling as loud as I can. Fuck you, Johnny. Go yeah. fuck yourself. As much as, and also, you know, no one else is named Johnny, as much as Johnny Mundo. It's just, I respect him as a person and as a performer, and I want nothing but pain and misery for him when he's in that ring. He's such, he is really, I wish there was more wrestlers like him to a certain extent, guys that have, you know, a physical presence. He's a pretty yeah. big guy, you know, uh, it, in the grand scheme of, of all the wrestlers in the world out there, he's probably towards the top of the middle size-wise. He's probably not the hugest guy out there, but he's big enough to look He's big impressive. enough, but you see him with Cage, and he looks like a lightweight against well, Cage. Well, yeah, but I mean, there's other guys out there that you would see Cage next to where you'd be like, Jesus Christ, he's small. You mm -hmm. know, some of these guys are just really, really large people. Um, and Cage isn't that tall, but he is he is wide. He is a fucking yeah. brick wall. And... um. Yeah, just they, they had fun. Johnny Morrison, I think, uh, and seeing, God, I keep calling him Johnny Morrison. Let you me do. Johnny Moon. You can call him Johnny Moon. Hennigan. Hennigan. John Hennigan. Look, I, it's, it's so funny because I watch a lot of Lucha Underground, and you would think by now that I would stop calling him by his old gimmicks and old names, but I can't do it for some reason. Um, anyway. It just goes to show you, like, new people coming in can watch that guy and be thoroughly entertained. And it's fun when you're there at the temple with newbies um, to see just how they react to certain things. Yeah. Like, they popped hard for the Mac, and well, you, you see know, things... then you know a gimmick is really over when somebody who does not watch this shit regularly yeah. sees something and could care less, but then they're standing up out of their seat, and they're cheering and yelling and having a good time. Well, it's more the, of the performer, I think. Like, the gimmick is cool. Like, you have... To compare a little bit of um, the show this week and a little bit of the non-spoiler performances that we see at the tapings, you have Cage come in. He has a story. He has his gimmick. He comes in, but he's still kind of... He, he On this episode, 
I'm not saying that's where he's at now, but on the episode when he taped, he didn't fill in the blanks. He didn't add nuances. Right. And maybe they just didn't show it in the edit, but things like his performance in the office, he hit his marks and nothing else. And in the matches, he hit his marks, but nothing else. But then you have a guy like the Mac, he hits his moves, and then he'll play to the crowd like you pose, right? He gives but he then a he does, stank on it. But he does his facial expressions. He does yeah. all the in-betweens. He doesn't go A to B. He doesn't do A and B. He goes from A to B. Well, and that's really and, the difference between the writers getting you over and you getting yourself over yeah. in addition to good writing. And Johnny Mundo... He's not the cool heel. He's and he absolutely could be. He could be one of the most over people. I think the guy could but, inhabit any version of a wrestling storyline or character that you wanted him to. I think yeah. he could go full on babyface. I think he could go ultra heel. I think he could do a tweener gimmick if he wanted to. But he's going full on heel. Like yeah. he's disciplined. He does the things where he's doing the moves, and then in between the moves, he works the crowd, but not like big for the camera which is great just turn his head and be like shut the fuck up and and the lucha crowd too is a crowd that if they like a rudo they will pop for a rudo i mean pentagon yeah through the first season is evidence it's like i hope to god the writers at lucha underground were not (laughs) trying to make people actually hate pentagon because he was doing the most heel shit ever and breaking arms and the whole crowd was like rip their arms off we love it i mean the most heel pentagon ever was was when he was about to break sexy star's arm oh yeah and that wasn't even 100 percent. and everyone popped for it People well, were, most people popped for it. Yeah. I mean, people popped for the safe, but that was the most teal he got, and it still wasn't full. Well, yeah, and so they liked Pentagon, and then the other stuff that, that Charlie and Will, and I'm giving you guys a shout-out, yeah. the, the other stuff that those guys liked was uh, stuff I can't talk about yet because I don't know if they're... I don't oh, even the think thing? the characters that have, have debuted yet. They liked the person and also the thing that happened? Yeah. So note, note to everyone out there, basically what I'm telling you right now is this is how Cleveland celebrates. Me and all my friends from Cleveland that live in L.A., we celebrated our big sports win by going to Lucha Underground. <laughs> um, MMA, just, just wrapping up a little bit of stuff because it was a kind of big week. Um, Cyborg debuted on that card too, and uh, Leslie Smith complained that the stoppage was a little early. I, maybe it was, but it doesn't matter. I mean, Cyborg was clearly winning that fight, was clearly going to win that fight. She can complain about when and where the actual decision came down. But, uh, you know, and I think Leslie's great, and I love the scrap pack, and I love their whole mentality, and they're just a group of crazy sick fighters. But, yeah, I think she lost that one. Um, Jacare Sosa, oh, my God, this dude is just beast, man. Um you know, he, he took care of Vitor Belfort and, and he's back in the title picture. He had a little bit of an injury stemming out of that, which uh, comes into play because the other news that happened this week was Chris Weidman fell out of his title fight here in Los Angeles, which I was planning on going to with Luke Rockhold. So there was a lot of chatter for a part of the week uh, with people trying to figure out who would be the replacement, if there was even going to be a replacement, because that fight's at the time was 19 days away and it's like 16 days now. Um, Michael Bisbing stepped up and after his big win over Anderson Silva in London, um, which was a close fight, but you know, I thought Bisbing won it. Um, And I didn't know, you know, a lot of people were claiming that it put him squarely in title contention, but I think that's just the sentiment of wanting to see Michael Bisbing actually get to fight for the title. Um, He was ranked, I think right now, number four, 
behind Jacare and Vitor and uh, Yul Romero still kind of out of that ranking right now because of his weird positive test for something that he didn't really take, which is another bizarre thing that I haven't really talked about on this show. Uh, he just took a supplement and the supplement had a banned substance in it, but that it wasn't known that that supplement had a banned substance in it by anyone, which is such a weird thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but so he, he just, he, he kind of pleaded no contest kind of thing or whatever, and just served out a really small suspension and they investigated and they found out that basically he's right. So regardless, rankings wise, Bisping was kind of in the mix, but not at the top of the list. But as you go down the list, nobody else could take the fight. Bisping was willing to do it. Him and Rockhold have some legit beef. Uh, you know, Bisping's still not happy about how their previous fight went down. So here's his chance. Here's his chance for the belt. Here's his chance to get r- some redemption at Luke Rockhold. Uh, it's a pretty big deal. The other thing that I mentioned uh, before on that card now is BJ Penn versus Cole Miller, which I just hate that fight. I hate the idea of that. BJ Penn's old. He's coming back. He's kind of on the borderline of being in this legends bracket, but seeing him fight a guy like Cole Miller that, that has like double his reach. I just don't like the fight. I'm not, uh, I want to see BJ come back. I thought the Dennis Seaver opponent was way better. I thought that that was, would have been cool, but this Cole Miller fight, I'm kind of like, not really excited about it. Yeah. Well, I'm just kind of a casual fan and hearing that BJ is going to fight again makes me, cringe a little bit I yeah but when it's a been... guy like Dennis Seaver who's also getting up there in years who's also yeah. kind of like trying to reestablish himself when it's those two guys and it's like okay let these two guys fight let's see if one of them still has it and even if BJ was to lose to Dennis Seaver it would just be like okay BJ doesn't still have it Dennis does Cole Miller yeah he's been around for a long time but he's not you know He's not in his twilight of his career I don't think like BJ or even Dennis Seaver yeah and it's just like He's fighting a younger, longer, faster guy. I mean, maybe this really is a great test for BJ because if he can beat Cole Miller, then yeah, I guess he really is still just a, a, a good UFC fighter. So we'll see. And we'll see what kind of BJ shows up. He's training with Greg Jackson and those guys out, Jackson Winkle Johns and Albuquerque now, which is, by my estimation, one of the best, if not the best fight camp of all time as an overall group. Um, we'll see. You know, they've done it for other people before. Yeah, but it's, I mean, I get going for another paycheck. And if you can, and a, a guy like him, I think, could probably be real smart about what they're doing. You could go into a fight and not get hurt. Right. You can lose a fight and not get hurt unless you get knocked out real bad. You're not going to get, you know, your arm broken or anything. You're not dumb enough to yeah. stay in a hold. But um, but there's, there's a difference, I think, between... Um, sticking around like Tito or even Ken Shamrock or, or um, now I'm blanking on the name. I'm completely blanking on the name now. It's embarrassing. Well, so um, but uh, it was, it was Couture a um, state around Couture, for a long That's what time. I mean. Yeah. But he, but he fought with, he still competed with dignity. Yeah. The problem is like, and it's a really sad phenomenon that you don't get in other sports. And I was thinking about this the other day. It's like the older guys in MMA, they become these superstars because we've seen them have these great fights and they work their way up and then they have their names. And this happened to Jens Pulver even. Um, but then it gets to the point where people only want to see them fight the top 10% of the guys in, the, in their division. And the sad thing is they can beat the other 90 all day long. They can beat 
the majority of people in the sport. They're still like performing at an A minus level. The problem is those last two guys that are like the 95th percentile and up, they can't beat those guys anymore. They're 10 years younger. They're faster. They picked up a few new techniques. The sport's evolved a little bit. So there's Mm. just a handful of guys out there that can beat them. Chuck Liddell was probably even like that. And the problem is the only people anyone wants to see them fight are Mm. these guys. Whereas in other sports... It's like you can still have a guy that was a superstar on your team, on a basketball team. I mean, you saw, you see these guys stick around forever. Like Nash, like his last couple seasons, he was still getting paid a bunch of money, just doesn't get a, a ton of minutes. They play him more selectively. They can still go out and perform and showcase and show off or maybe get into the all-star game or whatever. Yeah. But they're not like when they were in their prime, but there's still a place for them. MMA is just a cruel sport yeah. that way. And it's like, it. it's almost like careers are backwards. We should be pulling these guys back down into the middle of the card later in their career uh, and fighting guys who aren't the top guys. I mean, I think it's one of GSP's things now. GSP, they've been trying to get him to come back forever. But he said publicly, like, I'm not interested in the title. I don't want a title fight. I want money fights. He doesn't want to fight Robbie Lawler. He wants to fight in the middle of the card. He doesn't yeah. want to go out there and have some five-round fucking war. He wants to do a job. Like, well, do not, his job. But Yeah, but he still wants to show he's good. He still wants to show that he's yeah. one of the best in the world. He wants to really compete, but he wants to compete at a level where it's not the end-all, be-all. You know? And, and when these guys get later in their career... I feel like they should be afforded that opportunity. Like I didn't yeah. mind Shamrock and Gracie having a fight in Bellator. It's like they're both old as fuck. Yeah, yeah, let those two guys fight each other. So anyway, that's just kind of my thoughts on it uh, very briefly. The other big thing that will not go away in MMA is this Conor McGregor, <laughs> Floyd Mayweather thing. Floyd Mayweather is out there now saying... The only person I will fight, the only person I will come out of retirement and fight is Conor McGregor. Now you have to start listening, people. <laughs> that's that's real. This is the highest paid athlete in the world saying he that he shots. wants something. And, and it's not just about him calling the shots. It's about the fact that there's a lot of people that are around him and a lot of people that stand to benefit greatly from doing this now. Yeah. And when you start talking about that, um, it becomes a different story where even Dana White protecting Connor or even if Connor didn't want to do it, people have to start listening. I mean, the, the city of, Neva- of Las Vegas and the state of Nevada staying, stand to gain millions from something like that. So um, Showtime, if they get back involved, even the UFC, if they did a co-promote, um, mm-hmm. Connor McGregor, even if his paycheck is minuscule compared to Floyd's, it would still be his biggest payday ever. Um, and so, you know, Believe me, people, it's real now. It's not necessarily real in the fact that it's going to happen. It might be hard to work out, but Floyd Mayweather saying that he wants it. Maybe he's saying that because he wants to silence the Triple G talk. Maybe it is just a work on his part. Maybe he has no real desire, but I think that it's it makes perfect sense for him. He could beat Connor. Um, it would be a little bit dangerous for him, and just in the fact that any MMA fighter could catch you with a punch, but Floyd's fast and good and knows how to back up. Um you know, I saw the video of Connor sparring with the the boxer guy, and you can see right there, like if Connor was to fight Floyd Mayweather like that, jeez, he would get knocked out. He would get like Floyd would actually get a knockout for a change, <laughs> um, because I mean he had his hands low and he was circling weird. He was MMA boxing; it's a different thing. So you know, who knows? With a couple of months, maybe Connor's a, a superb athlete. Maybe he could come around. But let's face it, he's not a world class boxer. He's a world-class MMA striker, 
which yeah. is a completely different thing. Floyd knows that. Everyone knows that. He has a, a fighter's chance, but that's it. So if Floyd wants it, everyone has to start listening to a certain extent. So believe me, conversations are happening. Dana White's supposed to meet with uh, Connor this week. Maybe by the time we're even done recording this, there'll be some news out there about what came out of that meeting. I haven't heard or seen anything yet. Uh, it happened here in LA. They went to dinner supposedly. Um, and I don't know that they'll make any public announcement yet because they're probably working the backstage politics of it all. But Dana has been dropping fight announcements all week. So we'll see. I mean, that's the world of MMA. It's crazy, crazy, crazy right now. It's really fun to watch. Um, and, you know, and by the way, I don't consider myself an MMA journalist, but I, I consider myself an MMA fan. I happen to know a lot of stuff because I'm just paying attention to a lot of it. But, you know, I had some people coming at me like I was an MMA journalist. I don't claim to be an MMA journalist. I don't claim to be a wrestling journalist necessarily. You know, we're, we're fans. We love doing this stuff. And we're entertainers for the most part, too. We, we want to entertain people that listen to the show, give you fun stuff to think about, talk about some stuff that's out there in the wind. Maybe you've heard about it. Maybe you haven't. But please don't think that I'm trying to break stories or anything like that. Like, we're just... You know, we're not reporting anything. We're talking about things that we've heard and things that we find interesting in these sports. So that being said, do you have anything to add about MMA or can we move on? Because I got uh, some interesting, I got an interesting topic I want to talk about today. Um, I, I will say that uh, with the Connor and Mayweather uh, thing, um, that it does, it, it, to me, it's coming across less of a thing about who can beat the other person up as sort of an exercise between one or both of them to prove their drawing power and to prove how big of a star they are. Like, I think that they're what's going to bring them into this fight. Isn't, isn't the sport aspect of it. It's the, to show. So Connor can go, I'm bigger than the UFC or I'm bigger than anyone else. Right. Look at like, he may make, but that, that's probably why UFC doesn't want to do it. I mean, they're they're afraid, and they have been always of yeah. letting the sport get out of control. They don't want the sport to turn into boxing. Um, but and what, I wouldn't say that the UFC is necessarily being greedy doing that. I've seen a lot of people say that. I think it's more the fact that you know it's built on martial arts. There's a different system of honor. Um, mm -hmm. Some of that system of honor within martial arts has done a disservice to fighters, paycheck wise. But at the same time. Letting it get too far into the single fighter individual self-promotion level yeah. would also equally do a disservice the other direction. So I think the UFC has been very wisely doing certain things. Like they're letting they let Connor run wild. They let Connor conduct his own press conferences and do certain things. It was good for business. <laughs> but if you let it get too far, I could see it being an issue. And clearly with them taking them off of UFC two hundred they're making a conscious effort to try to curtail certain things so yeah. that there's not this flood of guys who think they're bigger than the sport. They want the sport to be the big thing, not the individual stars. And that's probably smart, too, because they had a lot of big stars a few years ago, and everyone said the UFC was going to die when they all left, when Chuck left and GSP left. And it was like, oh, there's no stars left. Look, guess what? They're stars again. And part of the reason why they're stars is because the UFC itself is the biggest star. Mm -hmm. and that's just they smart. guarantee the quality of the product yeah and you know it also has other things that boxing doesn't have like complete cards like i was really interested in that cummins noguera fight that was the headline fight on the prelims of the prelims yeah you know and that was a good fight pat cummins could have won that thing didn't but could have well, won they need the good uh lower card or upper card well yeah but whichever I'm, one it was. Well, like the, they need the, the prelim fights because 
you never know what one of their advertised fights, one of their main events will stop short. Exactly. And then next thing you know, your main event time is being filled by the replays of the prelim fights. And when was the last time you watched boxing? Like, okay, Mayweather-Pacquiao. Somebody tell me three fights that were on the undercard. You can't do it. Maybe you could say one. Maybe you could say the, the one right before the main event. But nobody cares about the undercard of boxing. And it's a shame because a lot of times there's great fights there too, just like yeah. the UFC. But at the same time, it's just a different thing. But you wouldn't you wouldn't dare like step on Mayweather's toes by advertising it as right. someone else's night. Right. You would never say but, that there's a co-main event. Yeah. There, but there wouldn't be. I will say Mayweather going up against MMA guy, that's kind of what the fight with Connor would be. It's Mayweather fighting an MMA guy. Right. It's a special attraction. And for uh, you know, for and Connor being the guy though, is a big deal, but he's still just the MMA guy that Mayweather is fighting. Yeah. But after the fight, he gets to point at the gate of that and go, I was part of the biggest, biggest draw, draw in the whole, like, of well, more he'll than be able to business. say, regardless of what the numbers come out with, Connor will be able to say he was the biggest drawing MMA guy ever. Or, because maybe well, it doesn't, boxing, like well, but I'm sports. just, yeah, but maybe, maybe, let's say it doesn't break. Uh, Mayweather Pacquiao because it okay. might not maybe it doesn't maybe maybe what I think the level of interest is isn't entirely what it is but it will still be huger than anything any MMA fighter has mm-hmm. ever done um, it would still be the easiest way for Mayweather to get a check that large ever again unless he was to fight Pacquiao again or or if he's going to start entertaining the Triple G thing but I don't oh, think he, he must will. be stoked that he can get a big payday without going against Pacquiao exactly exactly and that's why it really makes sense after that I mean a year ago at this time Floyd Mayweather was sitting around saying he didn't know who Connor was and they started going back and forth and I think he didn't at the time yeah. I really think maybe he didn't and I think after that, he started looking at this guy like, who is this guy that reporters are starting to ask me about and whatever? And I think he saw some of those press conferences and he was probably like, oh, shit, me and this kid could talk up a fight. Yeah. Like we could do a work here that the actual fight would not even matter. Like, honestly, I would pay money just to sit in the press conference for Mayweather McGregor. I would probably be more interested in that press conference than the actual fight because I'm pretty sure I know what's going to happen in the fight yeah. already, <laughs> you know. But anyway, I, I won't I won't linger on it too long. But yes, people, that story is still going. Um, I don't think that story is going to die. I don't think it's going to stop. Um, so we're going to be hearing more about that one. Um, before we get into Lucha Underground's episode this week, um, I do want to talk a little bit about something wrestling related, like. I had, you know, I know various people that work various places. And let's just say some of them weren't happy with my comments about the EC3, EC3 thing. You with want to talk about that for a week. second? I have a follow-up. Yeah, yeah. And we'll start there because I think it'll kind of naturally lead to the topic I want to get into. So, but I want to say this. I was a big fan of Impact TNA for a long time. Um. And I don't disparage any workers out there or anyone who's working on a show at all. I know people put in hard work. And I know that people who are in the wrestling business, for by and large, there's not enough money in it for you to do it unless you really cared about it. I know people love this business. They love different aspects of it. They love different styles of it. Um, so please, only take my thoughts as an opinion about certain things I'm not disparaging what anybody really does with their livelihood or, or their love or passion of the business. That being said, 
<clears throat> I have not thought that TNA was the greatest product as of late, especially since they moved to pop. I would say since Bischoff and Hogan came in. Until well, I, I liked some of that personally, but eh, yeah, I bit. think I mean I don't. Know. It's a repeat, but it was a repeat of something I liked the first time it happened. So yeah, <laughs> I'm a mark. What am I gonna say? I think I think they've put on some quality shows, quality episodes here and there. They definitely have very quality um, performers, but just in general, it's a company. It's the stigma is it's a company that you don't need to pay attention to. Well, so That's what's, the stigma what's your follow-up with the EC3 thing? When uh, my follow-up with the EC3 thing is uh, I saw an interview he did, uh-huh. and there was some, I just saw some of the excerpts that they pulled out. He talked about, you know, fairly objectively about how um, if when he got released from WWE, um, if he was in that position of calling those shots and doing those releases, objectively looking at his position where he was, not really working so much and kind of, Sort right. of a in limbo. limbo, and then like people come and go, and then the guys who who he was uh, their project or you know his guys weren't in charge anymore, so new guys come in. You know he gets he would have let himself go too, and th- and then uh, he's he praises guys like Joe and Eric Young. He says all of the TNA guys in NXT WWE are doing great. They are, um, they which are. they are because. They're the, I mean, except for Eric Young, like these are guys who were doing great before TNA. Like these are top of the indie guys. Well, but these, and these are guys that graduated from Ring of Honor and yeah. TNA X Division when it was at its height. And yeah. they're doing good pretty much everywhere they land. Exactly. But he said all the TNA guys that have gone to WWE are doing great. And then um, he, there was another question about San, Damian Sandow. Right, and he goes, well, TNA has to hire more or less. He says TNA has to hire him, but he phrases it like, "There's a lot of people who don't like TNA who say bad things about TNA." Um, he, oh yeah, basically the the contention of fans that have this rampant criticism of TNA, they're fans of Sandow, right. so they need to bring Sandow in, let him run wild like they did, right? Like let EC3. him off the leash. Let him. Because he Sandow succeeds with anything that he's given, let him do his thing, and that guy will bring in all the na- all the TNA naysayers, which that makes it's, sense. That's possible. That's great business sense, and everything he said was great. But the thing is, it's from a different perspective. It's not the TNA company man perspective. He's more or less their champ. He's their homegrown guy. I don't know if he has the belt right now. But he's not Matt Hardy, who came in and is lending star power. He's not Drew McIntyre, who is rebuilding his image, but he's a WWE guy. Drew McIntyre is a failed WWE guy. EC3 made his gimmick, made his name, proved his worth in TNA. In TNA. Well, but now now it's, is it not time for him to test the waters of what that worth is? has garnered him well you look at you look at how successful (laughs) i mean isn't that why he's saying things like oh well i don't blame them for letting me go right because i'm here to tell you two weeks after he got let go he certainly wasn't singing that song yeah and maybe (laughs) maybe he thought that it made sense at the time too but for his business he goes to tna and does the obligatory shoot promo to get on the radar he should be holding that company line still if he's the TNA guy. If he's representing, hey, 
AJ Styles isn't here. We don't need him. We made a new AJ Styles. We made a new TNA guy. Right. Well, and honestly, every one of these guys should be in business for themselves to a certain extent. You got to be careful what toes you step on, but at the same time, you got to protect yourself. It's the same with these yeah. MMA fighters. It's the same with these wrestlers. And with wrestling, it's very political. He still has to work. I'm sure he still has to work indies, and he still has to work his ass off booking wise, right? To make it to make the caliber of living as a champ that he is now. Well, so let me let me but, say this because well, let me get to the the question that I have this week, mm-hmm. which is in light of the fact that he is in a position of trying to kind of examine his worth and I see him out here doing these shoots and doing the evolve stuff, you know, EC3 kind of started this thinking and then I saw Dave Meltzer port, uh, posted this post of what do you think is uh the second number 2. And mm-hmm. I said, well that's an interesting question. Who is what is the number two wrestling company right now in the U.S. market, um, you know, and let's let's start by talking about TNA a little bit because mm-hmm. they should be the obvious and easy answer, shouldn't they? I think they should. I think when you look at when you look at that question, you have to really boil it down to a very simple way to judge it. And I think you don't look at what's what has the best in ring, what has the best stars. I mean, what has the best in ring, best stories, uh, best looking show. You do who has the high, the most casually known, highest recognized stars. Who has the most impact? Well, <laughs> I mean, it, it, does there, TNA not have the most impact? Their at this show, point in time? their show is called Impact, but I I dare you to find a show that doesn't actually use the word impact in their programming. Well, true. It's, but it's, I think you got, you got to look at those people who are wrestling fans who live their lives. They don't go on the internet all the time. And, you know, a show comes into town and it could be like a meet and greet and then a wrestling show and they want to go and they want to see someone. Right. And so I know people who are all about TNA for what reason, though? I mean, are they because there to see Lashley that, or are they there to see the Hardys? What, what is well, the draw? Well, th- well, I mean, I don't even know who's still around right now. I hear like they're resigning people and like they're mid-carters or whatever. I don't know how TNA is even resigning anyone with I mean, all of their troubles. I mean, Maria Canales is the most over person in TNA to me because I, I have seen her whole career and yeah. I like the segments that they book her in right now. But she's not even, you know, yeah. that great as a personality. But in... I wouldn't judge it based on like today, who's hired right. today, but I think TNA as a company, as a brand, they have had the number, they're the number two roster as far as star power. Whereas maybe Kurt Angle isn't going to give you all these match, all these great matches right. for a long period of time without breaking down. But, but, but I mean, he's his, to part-time, he's his part-time as half the WWE roster at this point, you know? He's, yeah, but he's a huge star. Absolutely. And when you go, Kurt Angle's coming into town, people buy a ticket. And that's basically what this business is, is success is built upon or judged upon in this right. business. Do you sell tickets? TNA had Angle. They had Jeff Hardy. They had Sting. Well, and I'll, but, but I'll say this. Okay, Matt and Jeff Hardy... You know, they're working this Willow angle right now. It's interesting. Yeah. If it was coming to town, I'd probably go see it. So I agree with you on that point. I, I'd go see, you know, Lashley. I'd go see EC3 at this point. I think he's he's over enough. There's a few guys in there that that I think are 
draws. But at the same time, nothing that happens in those within those storylines is really going to pop me that much. Not, you know, it's not anything yeah. that I'm going to be like over th- the moon about. I think it's a different question. I think that's what is your favorite. What is well, your but, second so here, favorite here's, show? But but so. But then I I look at at these things too, and I want to get into talking about some of these other companies too. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you've got uh, we have to throw Ring of Honor in there almost immediately because yeah. Ring of Honor, again, talking about especially former TNA stars, you've got Jay Lethal over there, and you've got uh, Kazarian, and yeah. uh, you know the. A bunch of the ex, old X Division guys are basically leading the charge over there. Pretty much anyone who's really good and dedicated to the craft, but not signed to WWE and now to TNA because TNA cut the cut the strings. strings. Um, but that, but see, but and this is have, why this is why I can't give it to Ring of Honor. Like a ton of people I've seen on the internet think that Ring of Honor is the number two company. Here's why. Here's my argument against uh, Ring of Honor. The television distribution is willy-nilly crazy now um they've got what are they sinclair group or whatever they're they're basically a syndication company they run in local markets at different times in every city Mm -hmm. um they're They're doing it like you know they used to do xena warrior princess or old star trek shows or whatever it's a syndicated show so it just gets a local buy on like a local uhf station some places it's in the middle of the night or it's on whatever the cw affiliate is and then maybe they get a prime time saturday night slot just because cw doesn't have weekend programming but you don't see a commercial for it but you don't see a commercial for it and it's like they were on direct tv for a hot minute um they were on the access or no it was not american they were on the hd net it was hd net yeah. So it was, uh, yeah. I mean, like they've had a few real TV runs, but that stuff's all expired. And the production value is very, or was very public access. Yeah. And so now they've got, you know, they're doing the IPPV kind of model. And, yeah. you know, and I watched it. Yeah. I watched uh, Global Wars the other day, but at the same time, I can barely remember what happened. Yeah. Sure. Bullet Club's over. Great. Jay Lethal had a great match whatever it's just like but at the same time it's you know i i respect the work i love it i think part of the gimmick of the the actual ring of honor thing the the trying to play the more straight laced technical side of things i think that's over with and the biggest problem i see in ring of honor right now is they don't they can't get a backstage promo to to make anything happen it's like Mm -hmm. i get it guys i get it you know Certainly as a backlash to what a lot of WWE was doing, just seeing Ring of Honor where it was straight work um, was interesting. When they first kind of came up with that gimmick, I thought it was really compelling of, yeah, you go in, you shake hands before your match, you go out there, you put on a good match, maybe somebody does a little bit of heel tactics or they break one of the honor code rules to get a little bit of heel heat. But at the same time, it's really about respecting each other's work. You want a good guy and a bad guy and you go in there and you put it all out there and it's just about the match. That worked for a long time. I mean, it made a star out of CM Punk and, and a lot of these other guys. But CM Punk wasn't like that. Well, I know, but I'm just CM saying Punk that I'm always... saying that the functionality of that idea. But, yeah. but but you have that and then when you have a guy like CM Punk, you have a guy like Brian Danielson, those guys stand out all that much. Like right. is is their work rate It's their work rate. It, but I mean, it, in a pure work show, that is what should be getting you over, not whether you're heel or but face. They have or they have that much beyond just the work rate. Right. And they had charisma and some other things going in their favor too. Yeah. So 
But my, my problem is I feel like that has run its course because now how do you make a heel in their promotion? How do you get a face in that promotion? It's like, it's so arbitrary to a certain extent. And then you bring it in a bunch of guys from Japan, which is great. I, I, I love, love watching seeing the Japan that. guys. I love seeing that. But at the same time, you're purely watching that if you're a mark who likes work rate in a match. Hmm. That's why you're watching it. Don't You're not looking at the yeah. bigger levels of, for Christ's sakes, none of us would be watching wrestling right now if in the 80s it had really been based on work rate. Yeah. Oh. Like, come on. I mean, there I was mean, guys watched... who could work, but like, look, all the guys we popped for when we were kids, Savage, Hogan, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I don't even think any of us knew what work rate was until Mr. Perfect came around. And it was just like, no, none of those guys were doing amazing work. They were dropping legs and throwing, you know, really sloppy lariats and stuff. I mean, it wasn't... Well, in a way, they were doing really great work because they were able to get that emotional response. And that's what I'm saying. And that's what right. I feel like Ring of Honor... That's going to tie into That's going to tie into something I have to say about Lucha later as well. Okay. Well, but so... When we get there. But, um, you got TNA. You got yeah. Ring of Honor. Um yeah. Let I, me this... talk about Evolve quickly. Like Evolve uh, is another problem for Ring of Honor, I feel like, because Evolve very quickly is getting themselves on the same level. And I know it's the one of the guys mm-hmm. that used to be involved in Ring of Honor is, is doing it. Um, <clears throat> that hurts Ring of is Honor. That Gabe? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So, but but the whole thing is they're they're doing their their tie-ins with Asia. They're you know. They're doing a lot of what Ring of Honor did, except they're not trying to stick with the stale honor code system. They're trying to heat it up a little bit. Things like EC3 coming in and doing this, cutting the shoot, quote unquote, promo. Um, They're on the iPay-Per-View model, you know, and they're catching headlines. People are watching. I heard more about their event in the last two weeks than I did about They got the WWE thing. They got the Global Cruiserweight Tournament. They have the ties to a big show now whereas ring of honor has lost theirs other than uh japan you know ring of honor doesn't have that wwe connection so now evolve i think you're going to see in the next year evolve's going to do a lot of stuff and because they have Mm -hmm. the tie-in to wwe um, they're going to be the new farm league. They're going to be the new one that gets the attention, that gets the spot. Hopefully they get some of the production value Yeah, because they are, they are a little lacking in that is a little, you know, cable vision weekend yeah. show. It's, I mean, it's hard to match. It's hard to match WWE oh, production. I, but see, I, I don't think you have to. I mean, look, if, even if you look at those old ECW shows, come on, those guys had like two camcorders and they made a really good looking show, even when it was just a local public access kind but, of show and DVDs. Yeah, but it's like the lighting rigs and all that, I think that... Well, they need know. to put a little money back into it now. Yeah. I hope they made some money off of their, their iPay-per-views because but, they need a little bit of a budget there because I think they yeah. could be... A, I don't, they're, they're not number two. I'm not saying Evolve is number two, people. What I'm saying is they are a contender to be number two very quickly if TNA fucks up or if Ring of Honor can't find a way to stay ahead of them. I would say to anyone who's up and coming and trying to trying to make a living wrestling... I think they're all eyeballing NXT, and that's WWE. I'm not saying they're right. number two, but I think what you do is you eyeball NXT. You have to get to NXT somehow. You don't need to succeed. Get on their TV, maybe or not, but get right. in NXT for a while, and then that's you where can you go get the to rub. like 
then yeah. yeah you make your contacts you become you know legit as far as like you're in the game you're in the big leagues even if you don't do anything you get let go it's in the news you're getting let go now you can go to tna you can go to all these other places charge more you gotta build like, that hype train like sammy callahan had kind of a failed nxt run and now you see him on Twitter holding one of the, like the nicest independent championship belts. Yeah. Uh, the and big, working every working, week. He probably uh, works as much as WWE talent. And he's he's the like beast. a main attraction yeah. everywhere he goes. He's a beast. And that's what you got to do. And how do you get there? Oh, you got to know some people. You got to how do you get in with with that whole crowd? Well, now it's you got to go to Evolve. They have somewhat of a relationship. Right. That's how you're going to get on the radar. You never know if you have your match at Evolve and William Regal or some or uh, Matt Bloom is right. behind the curtain. Um, and there's other shows, too. And that's too, part of the but... problem with TNA is that no one is coming to TNA to scout you for something else. I mean, look at how long it took, even just like an AJ Styles, to get into WWE. I mean, yeah. he wallowed at TNA for a long time. It's it's really, it's just tough. I mean, it's it's a big it's a big tough thing. So he did go to WWE at the perfect time of his character development, and that was uh, because maybe. of like the two years that he got in Japan. Like if he left TNA much earlier, and then did his time in Japan and got to do like Bullet yeah. Club type stuff that was a complete one eighty right of what he was used to doing. That the those year that year or two in Japan, I think, prepped him to be more well rounded. Well, now and I'll say this since you mentioned Bullet Club again, uh, the merchandising aspect is something else I think has to be taken into consideration because yeah. the where I see TNA at right now is I see them failed in the merchandising department, whereas Ring of Honor yeah. is moving some merch, man. They are yeah. they are they are probably number two in moving merch right now. Maybe between them and Japan. Yeah, we're not talk, I mean, we're not talking Japan, are well, we? Well, but I mean, let's throw let's throw in the mix Japan. Do you feel like the American audience um, would see New Japan as uh, a, a contender? I think it's very niche. I or think even AAA. I mean, I'll throw them both both in there. I mean, these are both yeah. huge promotions that have no trouble holding their own. They're huge in their their home countries, but here in the U.S., are they real? competitors even with what's out here in the u.s or are they just a secondary function for wrestling smarks and and people who are in the know i think they're a niche product like lucha underground i mean lucha underground is it offers uh wrestlers who aren't on american tv very high production value representation of their work which is great for them but they don't tour they don't do shows so i mean they're completely out of the question as far as like top promotion what do you think but japan and but new japan and AAA, you look at it like they don't run their own shows in the states so that also disqualifies them from being in the running they're a niche program you i the last time i tuned in to ring of honor was to watch okada and and shinsuke right you know um you should watch Global Wars, by the way. It's worth I should it. watch it. Yeah. Okay, it's 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 a good show. It's a good show. Um, but There's a yeah, lot of Japanese guys on there. I think it's worldwide, good. those are big time companies. Those are on par with WWE globally. Right. But in the states, they send their guys to Amer to American independent shows. Right. And which makes sense. 
And, and that's good. And that's good for all of us too. I mean, yeah, you get, then you him. can have a breakout star like Shinsuke Nakamura that can come into uh, the major yeah. U.S. promotion and be credible day one. Well, Shinsuke uh, is I mean, just I better mean, than anyone in WWE. Given he's more, maybe more the exception than the rule. But at the same time, there's yeah. other guys that it could possibly break through like that. So, well, you started to talk about Lucha Underground, and I'm going to throw Lucha Underground in the mix because. Lucha Underground, I think, um, yes, it is a little bit of a super indie at this point in time, um, mm-hmm. similar to what Ring of Honor always tried to do, where they weren't really trying to step on other people's toes, but they were trying to be inclusive and give people a, a place to work, and they had separate storylines from what guys were doing in other companies. Lucha Underground is very much doing that model, especially you know if you don't know this already. They have ties directly to AAA. Um, yeah. And... You it's know, a triple A project. Yeah, and and but they're also using guys from PWG and that are you know big indie guys and whatever. Yeah. Um. So, the but there is a different factor here that that people have to take into consideration. And if you look back in time, I want you to go back in time with me to a little company called WCW. New day, new day. Uh, time travel cardboard <laughs> box. Um. <laughs> If you look at what made WCW work, it was Ted Turner. It was a guy who's just a wrestling fan who had made his name in lots of other stuff. And people thought it was the weirdest thing at first. People thought it was a joke at first when Ted Turner was going to get into wrestling. And they started off small and just doing whatever Saturday morning kind of kids cartoon kind of shows or whatever. And then it became huge to the point where they whooped up on Vince McMahon for a considerable amount of time. Given, they threw a lot of money at it to do that. They brought in some of the aging stars that had big names. They turned Mm -hmm. Hogan heel. They did a lot of stuff that would have made a difference. But they did it. And they did it right for long enough to beat the shit out of WWE for a while, which no one in a million years ever thought happening to the point where they beat WWE so good that it was good for WWE. Yeah. It was good for the entire business. This level of competition. Here's what I will say about Lucha Underground. You've got the Burnett machine Mm. and the Rodriguez machine that are behind Lucha Underground and AAA, who, as you said, doesn't really run their own shows in the States. Now, if the, these three companies can stay on the same page together, that is a force to be reckoned with because there's certain things that could propel something like Lucha Underground way further. Now, yeah. the issue right now that I think Lucha Underground has, um, because they're, by and large, their backstage promos are better than even WWE's and the quality of what you're getting there. And you don't see a promo. No, it's their vignettes. They're movies. You're watching a movie it's script. It's all 100% in character. Yeah, and it's a completely new idea. It has a lot to do with the Rodriguez influence, I would believe, because even Krista Joseph, who came out of other wrestling writing, um, I don't know that he was the one who was like, let's do it like this. I don't know where the ideas came from. So, Chris, if it was you, I'm, I apologize. But I, I, I feel when I watch those, and even in the first season, as cheesy as some of the backstage promos were yeah. in the first season, you felt Robert Rodriguez's hand on it. It's like, this is something you'll see in an episode of Matador, one of his other shows on the network, or this is something mm. from Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Like, this is some weird, crazy backstage shoot-up angle thing where you're not even watching it for it to be realistic. You want it to be a, a crazy, ridiculous scene, like from Desperado. Like, it's guns in a guitar case, kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and it worked. 
And that's the thing that I think that they have behind them that some of these other companies don't have. Like Ring of Honor clearly did try to do something different, just like ECW had done something different. Mm -hmm. WCW did not necessarily do something different. They just did a bigger, crazier version of it. Um, But it was still the same old tactics. It was turning guys' heels and regular wrestling. I will say they brought in a lot of different type of stuff. They'd bring in, you know, as they would sign just about anyone to come in and wrestle. They sound like Barry Darso for some reason put them in three new gimmicks but they'd bring in japan they'd bring in women's wrestlers they'd bring in japanese That's women's true. wrestlers they brought in they lucha, brought in libre. lucha libre they, even though ecw had kind of already done a little well, bit I mean, of that but, but by they bringing did it on in, a way like bigger they scale took a, they saw something cool in ecw and then they and took, took it, it. they're like oh we can do lucha libre because they did it let's take it yeah. but that's the thing that i also see lucha underground doing right now it's like you can take a guy like morrison make him into johnny mundo which when I first heard it, I was like, he's in Lucha Underground? That doesn't yeah. make any fucking sense whatsoever. It's it like, makes, I expected to see Blue yeah. Demon Jr. and maybe a Chavo or somebody show up like that. I didn't expect, you know, this guy who was a, a semi-big WWE talent that had been kind of off the radar and back in the indies for a while to be in Lucha Underground. I just didn't expect it. So you can take a guy like that and then you can have... You know, guys like Tejano and Daga come up who have this strong style kind of thing. And then you can bring in a sexy star, but then you can, I don't know. It's just to me, and then you got all these guys coming off the indies like Killshot and, um, you know, and some of them I can't even mention because I don't even think they've debuted yet. But, you know, and Marty who came out of the WWE system and now is over there as well as Ivelisse, um, you know, it's amazing to me. And they get over so I just think that in the future, you got to look out for Lucha Underground to be a real competitor. Maybe it's not today. Maybe it's not today. But the marketing yeah. machine that's behind it and with Rey Mysterio firmly Rey in place great. now yeah. and the amount of media that he's already doing, like every day I open up my Facebook and there is some retweet from Lucha Underground about some big media engagement that Ray's doing. Mm-hmm. He's doing all the press people like... Maybe he's working a lighter schedule than some of the other guys in Lucha, but at the same time, his knees ain't what they used to be, and he's doing something else for the company that none of these other people can do. He is, um, and if you look at these other independent shows, is Rey Mysterio not as big as Kurt Angle? Yes, he is. I mean, they absolutely is. They Former WWE champion. They wrestled each other. They headlined that show. Yeah. And, I mean, they they were on equal footing. I mean, to an extent... What's, what's Ring of Honor got that's on the level of a Kurt Angle or a Rey Mysterio? I mean, Rey's kind of a bigger star overall than Kurt Angle. Yeah. I mean, he might be at the least tied in the States, but in Mexico... I mean, Rey, Rey has an entire country that views him as a superstar. Even for wrestling fans in America, if you said... If you took Rey Mysterio to a show yeah. in Mexico and said, who's the biggest star on this card... Everyone in Mexico is going to say Rey Mysterio. If I took Kurt Angle to a show here in America and asked who the biggest star was, they're not necessarily going to say Kurt Angle because you're thinking Triple H and all these other people who are still in WWE. He doesn't have the same identification level that a Rey Mysterio has. Career isn't as long as Rey's. Rey also, like Kurt Angle, is a good wrestler. Absolutely. Kurt Angle is one of the best ever. For a gold medalist? Yeah. Kurt Angle and even Brock Lesnar are kind of as good as they should be. Right. They're, but I mean, I'll put given Ray their up amateur there, background, but Ray on is, an overall draw level, and maybe maybe 
if you have Ray next to Brock Lesnar on a card here in America, Brock Lesnar still draws bigger. But that's why he's also on, still on WWE. He's still on the big show. Yeah. But I would say this, though, like, Angle and Lesnar are as good as they should be, given their amateur Correct. background. Correct. But Ray is someone who has surpassed all sorts of limits. He he introduced a new style to the mainstream here. And he it's become overcame his a size. part of the mainstream because He's, of it. Yeah. Like, overcame his size. Ray's changed the industry, whereas it's not like ever. And, I mean, and Brock and Kurt Angle didn't revolutionize forget, anything. He out-merchandised the shit out of both of those guys. Yeah. Like, is anyone out there buying Brock Lesnar's skull shirt? Not no. necessarily, but I, I see or hear of somebody buying a Rey Mysterio mask every fucking week. Yeah. Like, people are spending hundreds of dollars still on Rey Rey masks. 619. 619. What's Kurt's area code? No one cares. Like, I, I, I'll tell you what. Lucha needs to get on the ball and sign up some exclusive deal with Ray and just start releasing a hell of a lot more of his merchandise ASAP. Like, I don't, I think they're sleeping on because they're such a TV show. Yeah. And they're run by TV show people. I think that Lucha does sleep on some of the other aspects. Um, I think after the Austin Warfare thing, they were all like, damn, should we be running house shows? Because it was so successful. Mm-hmm. On a certain level, but then at the same time, it's like, yeah, exposure wise, we're we're, we're going to do these things as if they're upfronts or cost TV benefit things, sort of stuff. Yeah. But coming from the whole, it's they have to do every they have to do everything as a TV show, and with you know we're talking about touring, they have to figure out as a TV show how to put the TV show on on the road instead of a wrestling show. Trying to put matches. I mean, I liked but, I liked what they did with but, Austin Warfare. Run a dark yeah. show, like keep your TV, your TV, and maybe just go out there and kind of a parade of stars thing. Yeah, when you go on the road. They kind of do that though. Like you go see PWG or Ring of Honor or these shows, any show in, in Chicago or wherever that will pony up the money. You see your AAA slash Lucha Underground match, which is going to be Pentagon, Drago, Aerostar, Phoenix. Yeah, because those guys <laughs> work every which, weekend. It's so awesome that that they can. Go back to the old days of taking the one match on on the now, road. Now, do you see but, a time where Lucha is not that anymore? Where Lucha um, puts these guys under more exclusive contracts, like Ring of Honor did for a while, try to do, and and you know, Evolve may try to do at some point in time. It'd have to make sense money wise. You'd have to pay them, just like. Well, you, I mean, Ray is ha- pretty firmly established there. Yeah. I mean, he might go do AAA too, but there's that, that crossover between mm-hmm. those two. Ray is probably making a ton of money just as sit. well. Yeah, but and, he's doing all this promotional stuff. Yeah, I mean, he's working overtime for them. Right. But as a as a TV show, you know, with with the merch, that is also what makes them sort of small beans. They need to have. They need to be able to sell more merch. They can't sell Pentagon shirt. They can't sell a triple A character shirt, really. Maybe sexy star, but they sell a lot of. They sell their own character stuff. They sell a right. few Lucha Underground shirts, but they need to be able to market their stuff more. But also, but as see, a TV show, I think show, that that stuff's coming. I think when you hear these rumors about going to Hulu or Netflix, and I think that's also a game changer. When yeah. you hear the talk of maybe a video game, um, I don't think that they're not thinking about. The merchandising stuff. I just think that that part of the machine hasn't gotten bigger yet with Lucha Underground. It's secondary and as, in the development. It is because I mean, it's again, this is a company basically run by Robert Rodriguez and Mark Burnett, and the people that are directly underneath them being, yeah, you know, Eric Van Wagenen, who's day to day on the show, and Krista Joseph, and these guys. Also, again, t- television guys. 
They're not necessarily marketing guys. They're not like a Vince McMahon or somebody like that. There is no Vince McMahon in Lucha Underground yet. Maybe yeah. maybe the guys up from AAA that have been helping out, but at the same time, they're trying to monetize it back to AAA down there. So maybe that's what Lucha needs. Maybe Lucha needs somebody who's in-house that's more about the wrestling business that stays out, out of the book. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the trick because the book at Lucha is fine. Nobody needs to change how this thing's being booked. Nobody needs yeah. to change how the show's being run. Uh, and maybe merchandising and stuff like that starts to screw with that because you see, you know, like, let's be honest, why did Rey Mysterio ever get the belt in WWE? Fucking merchandise. Because 130% he... it was the merchandise. Yes, he's a nice guy. Everybody liked him. He did great work. But I guarantee you nobody sitting back in corporate at WWE was like, hey, let's put the belt on the little guy because we like him. They were like, yeah. let's put the belt on the little guy because we're going to sell Some 70% more of these fucking masks and these Ray mm-hmm. shirts. And this 619 thing is through the roof. And Nucha, like with the whole Ray and selling his masks and how they have predominantly masked uh, roster, they could be selling low end masks even ones that fall apart if you wear them for two weeks yeah they've sold a few of them and they all sell out if they like they should be selling them they should be selling everything that they can i don't even have one because every time i went to buy one like i'm not a guy that wants to spend 200 dollars on a real wrestler's mask like i'll buy the 20 dollar one because i'm not going to really wear it i'm just going to put it on my wall anyway but every time i've gone they're sold out they're Mm -hmm. gone they're done and WWE sells stuff like they'll sell replica titles and then they'll sell the replica nameplates. Right. So you could buy your RKO nameplate to put on the on the belt that you bought. All that stuff. But you know, I think that's where the TV show comes in. That's where you need to have some discretion right. for what merch you sell because you don't I don't think you wanna have replica Lucha Underground championship belts. Right. Like you want shirts, you want the fans wearing their Mexico City masks, you know, they get their $15 mask of Mil Muertes they can wear and show support for their guy, you know? Right. You want yeah. that type of environment, but you don't want to cheapen the symbology of their championship belt, of all their other Correct. belts that everyone's Correct. fighting for. But that's not necessarily how you make the most money off of merch. Well, and, I, and again, I appreciate Lucha because I don't necessarily even think it's about making the most money. For them, it's about making the right money. Um what I really believe the strategy with it is it's coming from the El Rey network. And the whole goal is if they can get Lucha underground to create enough demand that people are asking their cable providers to get El Rey, because mm-hmm. that's the reason why they're not number two right now. They're on El Rey, but that's where they should be because that's, what's allowing them to be as cool as they are. El Rey made but the show. It's a fledgling network that wants more eyeballs needs to get on more systems and to be in your, your top 100 channels having a hit wrestling show that is kind of a live sports thing um, is a big step to doing it. Uh, you know, some of the other original programming is fine. The old movies is not going to do it. That's filler and it comes at a, a fairly cheap cost for them. Um, yeah. And believe me, they need more stuff like Lucha Underground. If they could get three hours out of Lucha Underground a week, they'd do it just like WWE. But let's hope they don't because it's <laughs> keeping the product good. Yeah. So, um, to answer the question of what the number two promotion is, I think I have the answer. I think after talking yeah, about all this, answer. I have I have the answer. Is it is it the new company you're starting no, up right now? No, it's not the new announcing? company I'm starting right now. It's uh, um, it's NXT. And and I know that that's cheating, oh. but I'm gonna tell you why. I'm gonna tell you why it's NXT. Because 
WWE has done it to us again. They have taken over so completely to the point where they now have the number two independent non-WWE show as one of their own fucking shows. It's gross. It makes me feel icky to even say it. But they're fucking winning with NXT right now. Yeah. They're fucking winning. They're cleaning up. It's good, though. It gives somebody else an opportunity to really become the number two. But, I mean, and and I have to give it up to WWE because they worked for it. Because they went through the sci-fi channel version of ECW. Yeah. Then they went through the two or three different incarnations of the fucking game show version of NXT. Oh. And then now they're in this weird full sale, occasional pay-per-view live event, whatever kind of level thing with NXT where they're really developing stars and they're letting it happen the right way. And it's very unusual for WWE. They did suffer through having to employ Alex Riley for a while. But this so. is this is a company that does not learn from history normally. Yeah. WWE is not a company that I expect to do something weird and unusual. And they did the right thing. Like originally it was they were making a spot for ECW, the whole Monday Night Wars and the, the bringing in WCW and WWF and ECW kind of bring them all together. They had this huge roster for a while. They had a place for mm. it. And instead of just squandering it or just letting it go away, they just kept working at that hour of television or two hours, whatever they were doing with it until they finally found something that works. And that's hard for any company to do. They actually let it have the time to grow and nurture into something right now that might be the saving grace of their entire fucking company. Well, for people like us, for people like us, it's the. It's but I mean, our these kids are moving program. to these kids are moving to the main roster now, and well, yeah, and when the superstars are not there, don't get me wrong, there's still plenty of non-NXT superstars around WWE, and they'll be getting better and healing up and coming back and winning yeah. television all over again soon. Um, you'll start to see them slowly trickle in, and it'll be just like you were watching the show five years ago. I mean, their but, pay-per-views are dominated by their homegrowns now. Yeah, and I mean, look, these guys. They're coming in, they're doing the work, and they're starting to get mm-hmm. over. And it's it's made for some bumps up on the big show. But at the yeah. same time, down on NXT, everyone's like, you watch NXT now to see what the next big WWE thing is going to be. Yeah. I would say this, though. The ratings on Raw have been pretty low. Good. And, yeah. But, you know, it, but I think that their episodes, their shows have been, I don't really watch so much, but I'll tune in every now and then. And I think their shows are among some of their better shows in the recent like year or two. Yeah. And but it's you have all the you have AJ Styles. Okay, but after him you have like even like Dean Ambrose or, or Kevin Owens. Those guys are good, but like you said on one of the past episodes, WWE didn't condition you to buy a ticket for them yet. No, they haven't. But and but they're they, suffering from that. But but they can they can yeah. But I will say this about what you're saying about how NXT has overcome or like succeeded yeah. In or despite a lot of um, WWE characteristics and props to everyone at my alma mater of Full Sail who helps out on that show. Because <laughs> I yes I did go to Full Sail and no oh, there wow, wasn't cool. a fucking sweet wrestling show being filmed there when I was there. Can you get me a ticket to? No, I take probably a, can't. Um, <laughs> it's been uh, a long time since I went to Full Sail. But. WWE, it, they they grab the top talent and they have the top production value around the world, more or less, with wrestling, with agents, with 
I mean, you have your writers, but you have your wrestling agents running shows. I yeah. mean, they had Dusty Rhodes teaching promo class. Like, WWE should have that on the main roster instead of having it in development, <laughs> you know? Yeah, but like, those guys who have been around but, for 10 years aren't going to listen even to a guy who's been around 30 years, right. which is sad. These other kids, they don't have a choice. But it's like, mean, you want to get over, all, listen to this guy. They're so you gotta super get over. eager to go sit in a, in right. a room with him. I would be but, too. But I would say that this is an instance where they have all of this talent, but then all these great minds, all this wealth of experience, and then they took out a major component that's kind of gotten in a way in the past. They took out Vince McMahon. Man. He doesn't call the shots down there. Right. And well, I mean, this is like if, if OVW in the late 90s had been on TV. Yeah. You know, when, when you know... John Cena or those guys were coming the prototype, up in the prototype. You have, um, I mean, there was a bunch have, of them. Well, what was Batista? Oh, I don't even remember oh, what he gimmick was... he was doing. But I mean, all those guys came yeah. out of there and then they came up to the main roster. And Ann what Lesnar. happened? They did not necessarily get over. I mean, they were in Triple H's stable or whatever, the Evolution, and, and, oh. and they weren't over at first. Randy Orton had Evolution and then he had Legacy. Yeah. And it's like him and Ted DiBiase Jr. Just doing a bunch of stuff, looking like they needed to work out. Right. And so, and, and that's kind of the process at WWE is they have this long yeah. thing, but I think they've shortened the gap with NXT. I think they have become their own number two, which kudos to them because, damn it, once again, they have a monopoly on the whole freaking market. But Lucha Underground, I, I'm going to put ahead of TNA at this point because I see Lucha Underground's numbers going up steadily. There yeah. are more eyeballs and more people watching Lucha Underground every week because there's the, the, people's thoughts about Lucha Underground go one of two ways in most cases. You either have seen Lucha Underground and you're a wrestling fan and you love it, yeah, or you have not seen Lucha Underground so you don't know and don't really care yet. There are very few of the Jim Cornettes out there who have seen Lucha Underground and dislike it. Their, their female wrestling, I think, is very divisive. Um, I think some people don't like that or unprepared to be able to digest it. Maybe. And, and maybe I could see that as a criticism if that's not your kind of thing. Aside from that, though, I mean, yeah, there's hard to, I mean, they really, they deliver as far as a wrestling program. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. So speaking of Lucha, let me get into a little bit of this episode because there was an episode this week and it was once again, pretty darn good. We're almost an hour and a half into a Lucha underground show. And we haven't talked about... Well, we have to, but... <laughs> we sort of did. It's mass Mats and Mayhem. I mean, we talk about fighting. We talk about wrestling. We talk about Barack Obama. We oh, also, with... Casey isn't here this week. He might Who? be... Okay. Now, look, not Casey's fault that he's not here. Totally because of my scheduling. I have stuff going on and job interviews and uh, Mr. Byron is leaving town. So we actually changed the schedule. Casey, however, could not change with that because... He has a shoot job and has to do real things. And, and sometimes you have to do real things. And the mm-hmm. podcasting world is not necessarily very supportive of that. That being said, Casey, you're a bitch. I'm not going to argue that. <laughs> I'm not. Um, what happened this week? Well, Casey was on TV. Um, he got into um, Famous B's 423 Get Fame promo. They got to watch how much of Casey they put on the show. Or else no, come they're on. Gonna, no. They're going to get like a... Look, I hate Casey as much as the next guy, but at the same time, Casey on TV, I mean, he's a 
big giant white guy in the middle of just, a lucha the, libre arena you're gonna have he's like, gonna stand out the parent teachers council is gonna start writing letters i mean if you were going to as many tapings as he is you're a big white gingery looking man you would stand out on camera all the time too if i was i think at some point they would incorporate me into tag matches they'd be like they'd just oh, be like oh you're a wrestler for sure i need we need to we need to i need a break Go and take a couple of hip tosses. Well, J. Ray gets on all the time too, but that's because he looks like you know Michael Jackson Thriller era kind of look. Yeah, he's all like, who wouldn't up. put that on TV? I can't wear that many layers. I'm too I big and I sweat it's, too much. It's, it's hot. Like I, I never get on because I'm a brown skin guy in a lucha underground T-shirt. So You're, I kind of, I even though I'm you know half black, half white, and not yeah. Latino. I kind of fit the mold of everyone else who's there for the most part. Well, the, uh, you coined the phrase uh, a couple weeks ago. You're the wrong type of brown. I well, yeah, I'm, so I'm or the other type of, of brown. <laughs> I am definitely the other type of brown that comes to the temple. The other there's brown. very there's very few of us. It's like <laughs> me, famous B, kill shot. No spoilers. That's it. That's like the whole roster of, some of the, black some people of the, in the temple. Some people who work on the show. My, Willie, uh, Willie my buddy, Mac. no, my Hold buddy. On. Oh, Willie, Willie Mac. Mac. Why was, I'm Ooh. sorry. Ooh, sorry. Willie. Respect, I, respect. I, apologies. Respect. My apologies, brother. By the way, shout out to the, was was it Stryker? No, no, no. Dario, who, yeah, who said Star, Return, Return of the Mac. Of the Mac. That, we got to start that as a chant that you'll see next week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Speaking of chants, like Casey has been every week, he's like, oh, did the chant uh-huh. finally get over this week if you hadn't caught it the the machine got his official machine clap, clap um, <laughs> and it came through loud loud and clear yeah people love cage cage is he's the man cage is freaking over man so here we go we're gonna talk about lucha underground what happened this week uh what happened this week cage cage comes into dario's office um and this segment, I, I really like this because it creates a certain continuity between this imaginary cinematic backstage thing. And this time, they flow right from those cinematic cameras, which I believe it's even different cameras or whatever. Has they went right out of that segment, right out the front door of Dario's office, right into yeah. the ring, because last week, Chavo stole Cage's medallion, and mm-hmm. Cage was like, <clears throat> Dario was like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, <laughs> for the I most part, but he's like, ah, you know, whatever. I don't care. But whoever puts it in the damn belt's getting a match. So if you want to go out here and bust the balls and stand in front of the whole fucking thing, I don't care. Seven people are putting medallions in that fucking belt, and whoever those seven people are, are getting a match yeah. for this belt. So Dario just laid it out there, told the whole audience, and so now you've got yeah. <laughs> a brick wall standing in front of the belt for Chavo. It's awesome how how Dario is now behaving with. Matanza as champ and like he's in a room full of very expensive booze so you know he's just you know his cheeks are a little rosy he's leaning back in yeah. his chair this muscle-bound dude comes in some guy stole my coin and <laughs> Dario's like so what? what what are you gonna how's that my problem well but see Dario's smart because he just takes it right to the ring like look this is we have a place to settle these disputes motherfucker just come out yeah. here here you go here's your chance settle your dispute I'm out of here like and honestly, it's like when you think about it, there was no wrestling in this episode until 12 minutes in. We have this processional of stuff all around a belt, which is oh, awesome to me because you are giving belt. 
you know, you're you're making a belt in a wrestling company mean something when you do stuff like this, people. Yeah. And and by putting this angle with Chavo and Cage into it and having foresight to build up to it for a couple of weeks, you're giving the belt a certain level of prestige where basically this whole segment, this whole gimmick is about the prestige of this belt mm-hmm. and what it means to these guys. And that's a big, big deal in wrestling. Maybe it wasn't the most exciting thing on the show, but adding Cage and Chavo into the mix with this storyline, and Chavo was a great worker to do this bit, you know, made what would have been, you know, I complained the other week about the the beginning of the Grave Consequences match and the processional because... You know, it paid off at the end with the Cuerno bit. But during the first part of it, I'm just like, eh, I get it. Like, this is an Undertaker ring entrance thing. This is like, okay, it's a big spectacle or whatever, but it's not driving the story anywhere. At the end of the show, it did. And this one I liked because the whole time you're doing this big processional and they're ramping it up and doing it nice and fast. But you're getting to the point of... yeah. There's an angle here. There's a gimmick. There's something going on. There's story. The belt means something. These two guys have an extra little beef in this, you know, containing or pertaining to this ceremony. It was cool. It was cool. And every every single person involved in the match also had a bit of character that they got. They didn't just walk up and say, I'm here. They got to throw a touch of their character as they put the medallion Absolutely. in. Absolutely. And it's... Including licking... The metal that had been on his dick, on his Johnson, Joey Joey Ryan. What the fuck, man? man. Joey, Joey, dude. Sterilization practices, brother. There's, there's this handy uh, wipes. There's this clinic uh, near my place, Joey. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I should send you. um, I mean, but you can't give yourself an STD by. Can you? No, you can't. I think Joey Ryan could do a lot of things. Oh God, that's so. But it, it was it was really cool. Uh, Chavo stealing the medallion, and it helps show the importance of earning that medallion. And then, yeah. Well, let's talk about the swerve here too, because uh, look, Chavo, and this is classic Guerrero stuff here. Yeah. And I didn't even really expect it somehow, which amazes me. Like, oh my God, <laughs> how long have I been watching wrestling that I didn't even see this swerve coming? Where he's got, you know, like a an automotive washer in the bag yeah. and the real medallions what under the chair or whatever. It's just like, wow, that's just like that's obviously. classic shit. That's something that, you know, Eddie would have done. And I love that Chavo's doing it. Just good writing, good it's fun smart. little spot. And, you know, nothing major, not a big surprise that that happened. I loved it though. I will say that I thought Cage looked like a big dumb goof in this segment, just this isolated segment. Right. He looked well, like a big dumb goof. He had the same sort of half grimace. He beat up Chavo and then walked away. And then it's like if someone took Cage's shot at the championship away from him, I would imagine him to be a lot more upset. He's inflicted. He's gone crazier over less in the temple. Yeah, but see, this is Terminator One. This is I was I must kill Sarah Connor. Yeah. This is not. He's just directly. This is. 101 programming. This is the T T1 here. Yeah. The T1 version of Cage. And we'll get into the development. I mean, Skynet has not become this isolated yet. segment. Right. But, but see, I see you see the whole progression it's at the beginning of the show. So we'll, we'll and we'll get into that because I, I think we see T2 and T1000 kind of happen yeah. in the progression here. I would have liked to have seen more of Cage like vocally interacting with Chavo and talking a lot of shit to him. Yeah. But I mean, again, we're like 10, 12 minutes into the show with no action yet. So I think you, you got to kind of get in and out of it a little bit. Yeah. But 
But then it also gave me faith because I felt like there was something coming. So let's go into this first match. Uh, Masquerita, Argenis, um, Cobra Moon, and who am I forgetting here? Who else was in this match? Daga? Daga. Oh, geez. Yeah, and I was going to talk about Did Daga Cobra too. Moon try to lick his dick? I don't know what was going on there. Like, there is something going on with Cobra Moon and Daga. But before we even get into that, like, <laughs> Famous B... Like Melissa, I just I just love Famous B grabbing the mic and like Melissa, baby girl, I got this. <laughs> oh my god, I I was popping so hard I was like crying. And then he says, "What what is he say? Oh, I have this written down. I wrote a note about this. It was so good. Everybody and they mama want to get at me, <laughs> so they can get that fame like Famous B. Uh, what the fuck? Oh my god, that was just so so good. Everybody." Er, er body and they mama. Er body and they mama. I don't know who's having more fun than Famous B in the temple right now. Dude, the best job in the temple, hands down. He's a manager that has a valet, and he's got this thing going with Masquerita. And, you know, he's trying to put Masquerita in these matches to get him over or whatever. Uh, who cares if it's <laughs> winning or not? Famous B is getting fame left and right. Like, he's the fame is... Side. He's uh, like, old, like, Colonel Parker. Like... <laughs> all over the place like, ah. it's amazing and by the way people if if you didn't catch it already go and listen to last real heels they had a part three of an interview with famous b this week shout that out to the heels and Famous. is a must listen there's some funny funny shit that goes down in there i'll just say this like any podcast where you're telling where a wrestling talent is telling the host of the podcast that they need the uncle jesse haircut from full house <laughs> is something you just need to listen to yourself like i can't even do it justice um, but so, yeah, not a lot to say in this match. Uh, I thought Daga's, I, I like seeing Daga work with the bigger guys a little bit more. I think it was a little strange seeing, you know, somebody who's famous for strong style working with these particular wrestlers. Our, yeah. our sure. Um, Cobra Moon and Masquerita's work together, however, was fabulous. That's like those cool. two, those two killed it together. Um, but what did you think about this weirdness at the end with Cobra Moon letting Daga go over and kind of flirting with him? Uh, it's it's weird. It's I mean, clap clap hiss, give me a kiss. What the what was yeah. going on there? I mean, Cobra Moon, her gimmick is awesome. Her character is really cool. Um, I don't. I mean, I don't know how I necessarily feel about having characters give away wins when you're trying to establish. How much they matter, but I think, I think, but that I mean that tells here. me that there's something at play. I mean, she either yeah. wants to try to recruit him, or she wants to get on his side, or maybe she's just horny. I don't know. Well, I mean, but it was clearly initiated by her. Like, yeah, no, she was. She like, was, I wouldn't be surprised if a guy like Daga was trying to push up on Cobra Moon. She's, you know, she, she was looks trying good to get after him. Snake skin. It's. I kind of want to see what happened, Daga. Daga was kind of scared of her, and 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 here and this herein lies the rub, people. Lucha Underground does it to us again. They give us a four way match where you think that the big storyline is Famous B and Masquerita or something that's going on there. They throw in this one little fucking thing, like yeah. two, there was a little hint of it at the beginning with that weird lick or whatever that happened in the ring, and then there's this this moment at the end with Cobra Moon, and you're just like, what the fuck? Want to see where it goes? And you just want to see where it goes. You have no Shut clue. Up. Shout out to the nail in the coffin, by the way. All right. Vampiro called the nail in the coffin. What was the other? Did you see that? Yeah, he did. 
That was kind of cool. No, there was a couple other things that there, there was just some awesome references, and I didn't write them down, but they uh, they were all yeah. No commentary as usual was was really great. Um, Vampiro is just I I kind of um I don't know because I used to be a huge Vampiro fan from WCW. Oh, same here. And it's just I kind of I don't know. Every once in a while, I just feel very fortunate that he's on lucha underground like he's i feel very fortunate that he's really come into his own too because at first it was a whole lot of hey brother and yeah. whatever and and it's just like him and striker have brought each other's game to another level i think and they're and yeah and they're doing their thing you're seeing you're seeing kind of the best representation of them that they can do today yeah um so the next little thing was the vignette with Marty and Killshot. And I, yeah. Um, I think, yeah. Which I thought was interesting. I, I, I mean, the Marty stuff was hilarious to me. Him um, coming and reporting at attention. And then he said he heard from Lance Corporal on Lucha Underground about a match. <laughs> and I was just like, it was so random and funny. It was just like, wait, Marty, it, it's so perfect for his character too. Because like, you're just pissing this dude off for no reason. So Lucha Underground's only a Lance Corporal? I guess so. <laughs> Sorry, we got to do some some woos and chews because I'm eat, I need to eat a granola bar. Woo! Yeah, to get Sorry. thing. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> we don't do woos and brews on the show. We do woos and chews. Some of us do woos and whiskey coffees. We're whiskey around coffee. Yeah. Mm, I didn't realize it. Sorry, Jack. I think I broke a tooth. so fast. You you picked the food that the noisiest wrapper and the noisiest consistency of food. I just, it was, I was hungry. I was, my blood sugar was low. You gotta do what you gotta do. All right, Um, so. I will, I will, what stood out to me is, is the military thing is beginning to come off cheesy to me. And at first I thought it was cheesy on both accounts. And then, um, I felt that, uh, kill shot in this thing was a little stiff. I think Marty is just the heel mimicking something i'm not really that into okay at, at this moment uh i mean i think marty's kind of great but i also think at this stage because we've also been going to the shows so watching on tv both these guys are just still relatively new and they're new sort of pay attention to me uh evolution of the character well see now and for me that caught my eye and i loved it but i can see where you're going like do you feel like they worked this match too stiff because there were some hard spots in there oh, we're talking about no like, i meant stiff acting acting i think i mean i think kill shot he i thought no i thought i thought kill shots i thought kill shots acting was a little flat but at the same time i thought marty's stuff was great and marty was over the top but yeah i thought marty was great you thought um, it was too over the top in the backstage? No, I think, though, that it just makes Killshot look more stiff. Gotcha. But also, with regards but to... But isn't their, that what you want? I mean, isn't the gimmick that he is a little bit of this stick in the mud and he's looking for his military buddies yeah. and this other thing? I mean, isn't that... I, I can see that. I think that's kind of where the angle has to play out to a certain extent. I that can he see is, that. And maybe it'll be a little bit of a heel turn or maybe it'll face turn. I think I think he's being positioned as a, as a, as a tweener intentionally. And I think that maybe the writers are going to kind of let the crowd decide whether or yeah. not this kill shot character is going to be heel or face. I also don't know why in the middle of their hand to hand exchange, Marty reached for kill shots, Dick. You don't understand that he's creepy and weird <laughs> and he's a trust fund moth. 
<laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, it's curious. not something I would ever do, but it kind of made sense for him to do it because he's just fucking creepy. I guess. Weird. I guess. Yeah. And poor I don't Melissa. Wanna... By the time oh. they get this match to the ring, Marty is just, oh, ugh, so uh, icky and creepy and weird when he yeah. just rolls up on her. And poor Melissa has just like not gotten through any straight mic time in the show. Famous B cut her off. Now Marty is drooling on her shoulder. I think she should also by now know to let, let, let Famous do his thing. Well, Famous is fine, but the Marty thing, like, I think she needs yeah. to just file a restraining order. I mean, also, like, she has elbows. And I don't she know... She can elbow the guy I don't in know the face. That it's, I don't know that it's a work. <laughs> That's my other problem with it. Like, is, is this, like, really too creepy? Is this unprofessional in the workplace? Like, did is they he taking make, a gimmick too far? Did they make the gimmick because they knew they couldn't get him to stop? That's what I'm saying. Like, I think that somebody in the back is like, oh, it's hilarious when Marty does that thing. And Melissa's probably just going, no, no, really? It's kind of, it's actually gross, guys. There's going to be a lawsuit until a writer had to vouch that it was a quote unquote, quote unquote character. character. Yeah. Um, but no, as with this match, though, uh, what you were talking about earlier about how there needs to be, how stories are enhanced, work, they can't survive on work rate alone. alone. This match to me, with the crowd and everything, it it just felt really flat to me. Really, and that's amazing because I popped not, harder for this match than the yeah. Gift of the Gods match. Well, yeah, I think I think. Yeah, I don't know, but Kill, mean, Killshot's but one of my my favorite guys right now. I, I like won't them, lie. and and if somebody else would disagree with that, I wouldn't say that they were wrong either. I like them, and they're some of my favorite performers um, now live, and I think it's going to change in the future without getting into spoilers, but. This match was, it had two guys who you had backstage vignettes introduce them to make us know on the show, watching the show, we're now told, pay attention to them. They're right. good. Now invest your time in these guys. And that's what I think and really. live, you could tell everyone in the crowd sat the whole time through. I don't think, it didn't look, not that, not sound, it didn't look like there was any heat during the match. Right. Because these are guys who are low-card sort of jobber season ones. Right. And I think that this is this is the match that's going to bring them both out of that. I think the reaction that I was seeing kind of on Twitter and from other people who were watching the show last night, I think a lot of people were like, whoa, I was not expecting this to be a match that I should yeah. give two shits about. And, and you know... Yeah, I think so. Uh, I tweeted out a lot about it because I think that, I think that Killshot and Marty both... Um, are two stars to watch in Lucha Underground. I think these guys are going to be huge. I am dreading the day that some other promotion tries to swoop them up because I think it'll probably happen. These guys are going to make a huge name for themselves in the next two or three seasons, probably in Lucha Underground. And then if somebody swoops them up, you know, I could easily see, especially Marty. I mean, he's got ties back to WWE. He went out on an injury, right? So... He could get called back over there one of these days, and please don't leave, Marty, because I love please the stuff me. you're doing. But, but it's, it's and Killshot's moves. But at the same time, the is, complaints I've heard about Killshot are yeah. that maybe the stuff that he's doing is too risky and trying to get himself over. And what do you think about that? Like the Death Valley driver on yeah. the apron, I know is I will, a, a questionable spot to some. Seeing well, seeing Killshot season one, and he has a double foot stomp, and he would miss it wildly in season one. He just seems like he's a little too sloppy to be doing those types of risky moves. Season two. But how do you get better at doing them? Well, yeah, right. Season two, he's looked like a completely different in-ring performer, okay. which is phenomenal. Uh, but I, that well, you mentioned Death Valley Driver spot on the apron. I loved watching 
um, Sami Zayn get stretched out on a power bomb on the apron. I think it's hard with the ex- escalation of spots and moves to have a good legit stretcher spot anymore. And well, I think and yeah, and I mean, they, I liked that spot here because they at least played it out to a full 10 count for both guys where they both rolled in the ring at nine. But yeah, that's the kind of spot. That's a match ender. Yeah. You, you take an apron bump and it's supposed to be the end of a match. That's how drivers are finished by itself. Right. Well, but that, that's a criticism I've heard about Lucha Underground in general is that you'll yeah. see a lot of matches that'll end with 10 finishers in a row before something sticks. Well, that's There's Japan. a lot of kickouts at the end and a lot of big pops. And sometimes in a big match, it makes sense, but that maybe Lucha Underground overuses that stuff in smaller yeah. mid-card matches too much. Yeah, I could see that. I think that's also um, Japanese style where, where it's more about beating your opponent down yeah. instead of hitting the signature. So maybe you you hit three different signature finishes to get the win, uh, but yeah, no that that bugged me. I think also just with the editing of the show, it just felt like he kind of popped up and rolled in, and then they just continued on their feet. Well, fighting. look at this, people. Byron grew some balls. He actually found something he didn't like about a show. <laughs> it's normally me, and everyone's looking at me like, oh, my God, you said something bad about Lucha Underground. But look, people, I think that we criticize not because we don't love the show, not because we don't think it's probably one of the best shows on television, but mm-hmm. because if your friends don't say it, it, you know, no one will. Like, if I don't tell you you got food on your face, then I'm an asshole friend, and I'm a, I'm a friend of, of this product. And yeah. if we come up with something that we don't like, people, that's because... Us saying it as real fans of the program, hopefully that's the stuff that will get changed and get better. Um, I got to move into the last match because I got to run. Okay. Now man. I'm the pitch who's got to leave. But um, solid, solid post-match uh, segment though, and I think this is the beginning of great things to. I think this is going to yeah, be their sort of the dog tags. They'll have a little feud, and these guys can make each other. It could be the Rock Triple H program where they take each other up from the mid card. Yeah, you know, I hope so. I, I really do because I again I think. You know, Marty's going to my favorite characters in Lucha Underground and, and the biggest bumper in the world. And I think that uh, Killshot's probably my favorite wrestler right now. I like some of the innovation and the moves that he's doing. And we'll see if he can keep it all together. Um, Gift of the Gods, Aerostar, Sinestro, Tejano, Sexy Star, Joey Ryan, Mac, and Asterix Chavo. Chavo. Um, Chavito. Look, you just need to watch this match. I'm not going to talk about it long. A, because I don't have a ton of time. And B, because... There's not a lot that you can put into words about some of this stuff. I mean, there was one point in this match where I thought that somebody hit the gravity switch on the side of the wall and and everyone was just hovering in air. There was so much high flying and crazy awesome spots in this match. Um, Different people working together. When you put seven talented luchadors in a ring like that uh, and one luchadora. Yeah. Like what you get is just amazing to me sometimes. This is a, another and and this was not a long match. Like this is something that could have been longer. The the kill mm-hmm. shot Marty match was longer yeah. and felt more like more a headlining like kind of main event match, but this was the match that was needed to progress the storyline. Um so I I don't want to get into the match itself too much, but good match, everyone got to shine. The chain wrestling I thought was really good too with uh you know Tejano those the way he works is just amazing Tejano's to me now. I, I'm, I, I didn't think I was going to like Tejano as much as I do. Like, I've seen some of his AAA stuff, and I wasn't all that impressed. I like him way more in Lucha Underground. Way mm-hmm. more. Uh, very, very impressed with Tejano these days. Um, sexy and Mac double-teaming Joey Ryan, I just thought was funny <laughs> because 
is like, that's got to be the first time Joey Ryan's ever been upset about being double teamed. Hey, oh. Oh, wait. Sorry. I'm just, it was just funny to me. You got, you, you got to. So, but then Cage comes in. He's throwing luchadors out of the ring. Uh, this yeah. is this is Terminator 2. Now he's back and he's trying to save you. Come with me if you want to live. This this is this is where Cage shows that he wasn't the big dumb goof in the beginning. Well, first yes, scene. Skynet becomes self-aware, as I said on Twitter last night. And oh my God, who knew Cage had some swerve skills in him? Yeah, you know he helps Chavo go over, which nobody saw coming. I didn't think that was going to happen. I was not at the temple for this taping. Yeah. Um, I was like, wait, wait, what are you doing? I, th- I was at first. I'm thinking, you are a big dummy. Why would you put Chavo over? And then it well, I, all made sense. Well, I thought at first he was clearing the ring so he could have Chavo one on one, right? And just beat him up, and then somebody else would come in and get a pin or whatever. Yeah. But he actually puts Chavo over, and this is smart. This was the smarts. This is Skynet people. The world. This is Judgment Day right here. The world is going to end. The machine just became self aware. And realize that the best thing to do is put Chavo over. One guy has the belt. All seven medallions in one place. And then next week, you can just kick the living shit out of that guy. Yeah. He gets to do two things that he wanted to do. He gets to beat up Chavo and he gets to win the belt. Which is amazing. So uh, kudos to Cage for having a great plan. Kudos to the writers for writing a great plan for him. Um, Kudos to Chavo for sacrificing himself. Um, he probably won't be around after next no. week. Hasta la vista, Chavo. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think it's. Uh, I think it was great, and then uh, the show was over. Was but it? Wait, it wasn't. So yeah, so the whole show to me kind of felt like one of those like undercard shows, like in between. A little bit. A little bit, you know. So did this? Did this little addendum put it over the top for you? Uh, zero shades of. Of, <laughs> 50 of Shades of, of, Miedo. of Grey. Yeah. 50 Shades of, it was, <laughs> 50 shades of Miedo. Um, th- no, this made me yell out loud. Like, I was screaming at my television. I, I, this scene, um, for those of you who are not currently watching the show, involves uh, Pentagon Jr. Um, tied up like Japanese rope porn style. <laughs> In like Vampiro's little, but without the hooks and the skin. Yeah, like, like uh, definitely Cenobite esque or whatever is going on, and Vampiro just uh, in a whole nother level of like anything you've ever seen from his character. Um, amazing, like he he says the monster broke you in two. Now I must break you again. Like just just in yelling silencio at him and just going off and then. Um, he also says, you know, Ian tried to control me with those pills, but that didn't yeah. work. So he's referring to his shoot self in third person as if it didn't work. So I guess vamps off the meds and he's kicking the crap out of Pentagon to get him back in fighting shape. This is the vampiro that we needed in WCW like 15 years oh ago. Oh my God, yes. Like, I'm scared of this. And then he brings out the barbed wire bat and says, you know what you just experienced was nothing compared to what he did to you, but it's even more nothing compared to what I'm about to do to you. And then, then, then the show's off the air and it's just like, what the, what the, uh, what the fuck happened? This like is Vampiro pretty- is beating the shit out of his boy with a barbed wire baseball bat while he's suspended from ropes and, and like, still paralyzed. Yeah. Yeah. I hope uh, that Vamp's Spanish is really good and he understands what Pentagon safe word is because it looks like they're into some really rough stuff. I mean, this was just, this was insane, but 
where's it going? I don't know. I mean, what's look, Pentagon's been off TV since he went since being the only person to go through the announce table. Yeah. Well, Vampiro is just Vampiro's out of his mind, like insane and dangerous. And but do we want to curb that or do we want more of that? No, I well, I'm just saying like Vampiro is just off the charts. And you know if Pentagon is gonna walk out of that room, he has to get that that whack job's approval. Yeah. And then what kind of Pentagon is that gonna be walking around the temple? It's gonna be nuts. Well, I all I can say is I'm looking forward to it. Another great episode of uh, great Lucha Underground. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode of Masks, Mats, and Mayhem. I'm Justin Harvey. That's Byron Turk. Yep. And until next time, stay calm and stay in the mix.